Hello, everybody. This is Andy LeBeau from Commodity Research Group. And today I am joined by Marty Stetzer, the president of EKT Interactive, and Ed Meir, the award-winning analyst rated number one in in base metals by uh, Metals Bulletin. Ed uh, also is a colleague, a partner at Commodity Research Group. Good morning, gentlemen. This is our weekly podcast, and we're going to talk about metals uh, and other things from Ed. And uh, after that, Marty and I are going to talk about the uh, weekly stats as well as uh, the oil markets in general. Today is uh, Wednesday, April 24th. Ed? Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. Uh, and Marty, nice to be with you again. Hope uh, hope my audio is clear. I just wanted to bring your listeners up to date on base and precious metals and, and uh, review with you as to what's going on. In a nutshell, not very much, actually. Base metals have kind of flatlined and are going lower over the past week or so, unlike the action we're seeing in crude and gold and silver are also really very weak, um, with silver hitting a four-month high, a four-month low yesterday, and gold also breaking below key support at 1,280 and taking out a bunch of stops below there. We're currently at around 1,275 on gold and uh, and at and at 1,490 on silver. Not much going on in platinum or palladium either. Palladium, as you know, had a big uh, correction a couple of weeks ago. It seems to be consolidating now around the $1,400 mark. And platinum kind of rose in sympathy, but but seems to have stalled as well. So very little action in in, uh, precious metals. In base metals, what's interesting is that we have been selling off uh, despite growing optimism about the U.S.-Chinese trade talks, I think sentiment in base metals is being influenced by the fact that that China is not really ramping up uh, stimulus programs as aggressively as people were thinking. Keep in mind that the Chinese have an enormous amount of debt they need to work with. So if they you know, build more bridges and airports and highways, this all entails more debt for the provinces and the regional municipalities that need to issue bonds. So what the government is doing instead is lowering rates, making credit easier, uh, jawboning the, the banks to, to lend more money. All of this means that, that the bang for the buck they're getting isn't as, as concentrated as it would be were they to, uh, to spend money, basically. So I think metals are realizing that the demand side from China is, is kind of slowing just as supply is beginning to increase and is starting to uh, replenish inventories. So we're, we're in a bit of a down move in both uh, base metals and precious metals, but that's not to say we're not seeing action elsewhere. And on that note, I'll turn it over to Andy, where uh, we've had a lot of developments in crude over the last couple of weeks. 
Okay. Th thanks, Ed. And uh, yeah, we certainly have had a lot of developments over the last couple of weeks. Uh, actually, over the last couple of days, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of developments as the Trump administration has said that uh, they are not going to issue waivers to uh, the buyers of uh, Iranian crude to um, well, the buyers of Iranian crude as uh, they try to realize their goal of uh, moving Iranian exports down to uh, zero. Now, they're not going to get to zero on the uh, on the wave on the waivers, um, and the, I guess the the big unknown is what the negotiations are going to be with the the Chinese. The Chinese buy about uh, half a million to six hundred thousand barrels a day from the uh, Iranians, and of course that's a, a complex dance with the trade negotiations with, with the U.S. So we'll see what what China does. There's probably about 300,000 barrels a day of leakage coming out of uh, Iran. That, that will almost certainly increase some. Through Our numbers show that the uh, failure to grant, to grant sanctions will probably, be, will probably lead to another production, a loss of about 750 to 800,000 barrels a day. Goldman yesterday said 900 thousand barrels a day and um, you know that that's certainly that's certainly possible clearly uh, besides what the Chinese do what the Saudis do is the is the next uh, is the next step the Saudis can make up that volume along with the uh, along with the UAE the Saudis have said that uh, right now they don't plan to immediately increase production but if they're Customers ask for more barrels, they, they will provide them. Uh, UAE, too, will probably be able to uh, increase production. They may be, we may be able to get uh, a little bit more out of, uh, out of Iraq. So uh, it, 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 is a, it is definitely a dance, but what, the key thing is that right now OPEC is producing about 30.2 million barrels a day, maybe 30.3. The call for OPEC crude, the demand for OPEC crude in second and third quarter, as predicted by OPEC itself, is about 30.8 million barrels a day. So there is a, there is a shortfall. Uh, Al-Fali, the, the Saudi minister, said that he didn't think that uh, there, there was, he, he thought the markets were balanced and that inventories were um, ample they're not really uh inventories are in terms of day supply are running like a day behind the uh five-year average uh, in terms of total supply they're only seven million barrels above the five-year average according to opec itself so it looks as though in second and third quarter unless production unless the saudis really ramp up production significantly uh we're still going to have it looks like there's going to be the deficit uh, despite what uh, Al-Fali and the uh, Trump administration is, is saying. So that's, you know, obviously why the market has uh, been in, the, in this sharp uptrend. Today, we're, we're, losing, some, uh, we're losing some ground owing to, uh, owing to the EIAs, which, are, which I'll talk about in, in a minute. 
And it's, it's also one of the, the reasons why the speculators have poured into this market. Uh, the net length uh, on WTI is uh, up by 60,000 barrels in the last 60,000 contracts. That's 60 million barrels. That's 60 million barrels in just the last two weeks. So we've seen a big speculative uh, increase in the market. But you look at the fundamentals, at least for the second and third quarter, you know, they, they, they look constructive. They, they, they definitely look constructive. Uh, how much is already in, in the market? Unclear. But um, I think the market, the market looks as if it, it may have some more upside. Andy, Marty, uh, quick point for our listeners who are kind of new to the uh, industry. To put the uh, numbers in perspective for Iran, a year ago or more, when the sanctions were first put in place, they were producing almost 3 million barrels a day. And now they're producing in the range of 1.4 to 1.5 million barrels a day. And the target, as you've heard from Andy and others, is maybe they'll get down to 500,000 barrels a day. So think of the impact on their budget in two years to go from about 3 million barrels a day to 500,000 or so. The country's really got to be hurting since this is one of their biggest sources of foreign exchange. Yeah, there's no doubt that it's having an impact on the uh, on the Iranian uh, economy, and those 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 numbers were exports. Uh, production was was you know their demand is like a, internal demands like a million barrels a day. So, you know the, their production is was like three eight three nine before the sanctions, and now it's down to two seven on its way lower unless they move some of the you know move some of the supplies into. Uh, floating storage. Um, speaking about floating storage, Marty, you, you had an interesting point on uh, what's going on in, in, on the shipping side. Exactly. The, the, uh, in, a, in a lot of our training, we talk about the impact of midstream on upstream operations, and we usually talk about pipelines in the Permian. But the Wall Street Journal reported that Clarkson's, who is one of the biggest ship brokers in the world based in the UK does an excellent job of forecasting and providing data. Say that ship orders have shrunk to their lowest level in 15 years, and especially in crude and product carriers that used to make up about two thirds of all the orders, and now it's down to less than half. So, in addition to sanctions and, and uh, demand, slowing down. There's been a huge shift in the amount of crude that needs to be moved. And I think that'll be reflected even more as time goes by. Um, and that sounds like we got to uh, serve up a, a podcast on uh, what's going on in shipping and maybe what's going on in the uh, on IMO 2020, which is going to be the very key for uh, third and fourth quarter and into first quarter. Uh, next year, uh, Commodity Research Group, coincidentally, has an expert on shipping, Gary Bush. And uh, I, I think we'll uh, maybe feature Gary in, in an upcoming podcast on, uh, on shipping and what's going on in the, uh, in the tanker markets. I think our listeners would really appreciate that, Andy. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that would work. Um, I, I just quickly, uh, I'm going to do 
Let's see if I could do the EIAs in 90 seconds. The, the EIA numbers were, were somewhat bearish, uh, at least for crude, showing a build of uh, 5.4 million, although a lot of that was uh, the, the so-called adjustment or the fudge factor was uh, made up 4.5 million of it. But, you know, the, it was enough to get the market to, to take some profits. Gasoline continues to be um, continues to be bullish. Uh, drew by 2.2 million. Uh, demand is strong, and uh, inventories are very low going into the the teeth of the driving season. So uh, we'll see what goes. What, gasoline looks bullish. Diesel distillates uh, a draw of 0.7. That's a, around what the market was looking for. Uh, it stays supplies are catching up to normal at 33.6 versus 35.1. And total inventories built by 9 million, mostly crude. Day supply there are 61.7. The, the four-year average is 64. So day supply is, I, I would say, uh, total inventories are adequate to a little bit below adequate. Again, uh, contrasting to what the uh, Trump administration has been uh, has been talking about, Cushing stocks rose by uh, half a million barrels, and um, you know the the market, which has been basically going straight up, just took that building, it took that rise in, in crude, and uh, I think it was a it was a sign or a signal to just, to just take profits this morning. Um, I do think that. Uh, Crude stocks are, uh, pardon me, the, the crude prices still, ha- still have some upside, but obviously there's, there's a lot on, uh, on the plate here coming up. Uh, there's an OPEC and non-OPEC ministerial meeting on May 19th, followed by an OPEC meeting on uh, June 25th. And uh, we, we've got uh, the geopolitical minuet with uh, the Russians, the Americans, the Saudis and the, and the Chinese. So it, it's uh, going to be an interesting uh, couple of weeks coming up here, a couple of months coming up here in the uh, oil market. That's it for me, Marty or, or Ed. Anything to, anything to add? I, I have a question for Ed, and this is, again, it's been really helpful for me to learn more about the metals markets as we've been expanding our horizons on our podcast. Is there any relationship in the financial community, the investors who invest in commodities, between crude oil, which is often treated as an investment commodity, and precious metals? Is there any kind of relationship that you've observed over time, or are they kind of independent markets with their own behaviors? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, you know, we ran a bunch of correlations uh, for gold against various commodities and, and uh, currencies, crude being one of them. And the correlation with crude was very high, strikingly high. It was something like uh, 75%, if I remember correctly. But of course, that has broken down over the last few months. Uh, as, as, as your listeners know, but, you know, going back 30 years or so, there is, there is a, a pretty high correlation between the two. Interesting. So they look yeah. on it as a portfolio investment, not just uh, crude oil being moved into a gasoline market. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they do, especially these index funds. Uh, the, ind- the indices are very heavily weighted in crude oil plus plus all the uh, corresponding products as well as as gold so 
when the indexes get get active, you see both of those commodities move higher in tandem. Thanks, Ed. That was a big help. Okay, let's let's wrap it up. If you're interested in correlations, if you're interested in uh, more, if you want to hear more on the uh, on the correlations, more on metals, more on uh, oil, uh, where we think the price is going, we we run a uh, we do a monthly podcast which features options by uh, with Jim Colburn as well as uh, these weekly comments, um, please feel free to go to our website at uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, uh, try me at alabo at commodityresearchgroup.com. That's alabo at commodityresearchgroup.com. Marty? Thanks for the opportunity to participate, Andy and Ed. I really enjoyed it. And as usual, I learned something every time I do this. If uh, any of your listeners on the trading side are interested in learning more about the physical aspects of the business, why do we talk about pipelines? Why do we talk about tankers? Why do we talk about refineries? And the impact on both price, supply, demand, movements, etc. They might enjoy taking a look at our free Mobile Ready Oil 101 series uh, that discusses upstream, midstream, and downstream at www.ektinteractive.com. I'd like to thank everyone for listening.